Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Do you know much about CBTE for treatment of bulimia? I've been suffering for 20 years. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the What's Eating You podcast with your resident host and psychologist, Stephanie Giorgio. There will be a trigger warning today. I will be talking about eating disorders, mainly bulimia nervosa, purging and binging. So make sure you look after yourself after this episode. And if you need to speak to a therapist, please do. Before we jump into today, I just want to know how you're going. What is the highlight of your week? For me, it is definitely having a family friend stay with us. I've never actually had a guest stay on the Gold Coast with me since I've moved here. So it was really nice having someone and being able to host them for the weekend and also just spending time with friends who are also down from Melbourne. Next, I want you to think of what's been a challenge for you this week. What's been a challenge for me? It's hard to think of a challenge. It's actually been a very beneficial week. I definitely think a challenge perhaps was getting up early on Saturday, but that's really not a big deal. I mean, I've started this TikTok course, which I'm so excited about, Oh, which brings me to my other highlight this week. I've hit a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. So a massive thank you to everyone who has followed, commented, liked, and shared. It goes such a long way and it really provides me with the validation to keep doing what I'm doing. But yes, you know, it's a good week when there's not many challenges around. Now let's dig into today. I was reflecting on this and I realized I don't speak enough about bulimia. I talk a lot about binge eating. I talk about relationship with food, but bulimia is the thing I struggled with. And there is a lot of shame around this particular eating condition. I think the idea of purging your food, getting rid of food, excessively exercising, using laxatives, whatever someone's method of purging may be, it's quite disgusted in the individual. What I mean by that is individuals who engage in this behavior feel pretty disgusted with themselves. A lot of the time, there's a lot of shame and a lot of stigma. Maybe not so much now, but I feel out of all the eating disorders, bulimia probably has the most shame around it. And perhaps that's why I don't talk about my experience that much. I worry that people might be grossed out by it. I worry that people might just think it's it's hard to explain, I guess, because there's also a lot of wastage. You're getting rid of food. You're wasting money on food. And that's something that prevented me from getting help was the shame around it. So I want to take a really deep dive on bulimia and nervosa. I'm going to go into massive detail. I go into huge detail in my book. It's very graphic. It's very confronting. So if you want an even deeper perspective on what I went through, check out my book, Food Jail, Breaking the Bars of Binge Eating. All right. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're a regular, glad to have you back. Now, if you're not aware of what bulimia nervosa is, it is a serious 
eating disorder that can be life-threatening and it affects millions of people worldwide. In this episode, we're going to cover what bulimia is, how it impacts individuals and how CBTE works to help manage this condition. What is bulimia nervosa? Now, I want to highlight that the diagnostic criteria of eating disorders has changed. And back in the day when I was struggling with this disorder, I probably would not have met the criteria because it was much more stringent than what it is now, meaning it was very, you had to have purged a certain amount of times. The binges were very specific, whereas now the terminology and the diagnostic criteria has a lower threshold to meet this disorder. Bulimia nervosa is an eating disorder characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating. And when I speak about binge eating, because there's so many different ways to conceptualize it. In the clinical world, it is eating a significantly large amount of food in a short period of time. A large amount of food is what others may consider abnormal or large or just bigger than what you would normally eat, but it's more the rate at which you eat it. It's eaten very quickly within a two-hour period, and it's the feelings associated with it. It's associated with feelings of guilt, shame, and a loss of control. That's the main one. When people are engaging in a binge, they feel a loss of control. It's almost as if I describe it in my book, you're in a trance. You're in a hypnotic state when you're in this state of binge eating. And this is the type of binging I'm going to be talking about throughout this episode. When I speak about anorexia or other eating disorders, I speak about a subjective binge. And this is where people think that they've binged or perceive they've binged, but it doesn't really fit a clinical binge. Okay. Now, following episodes of binge eating in bulimia, it's followed by purging behavior. So what that means is essentially getting rid of the food through self-induced vomiting, laxative use, excessive exercise, using enemas. And as mentioned, people with bulimia feel a lack of control. And because of the guilt, the shame and disgust, that's why they engage in the purging behavior to try to get rid of the shame, to try to get rid of the disgust, to try to get rid of the pain and the bloating and how you feel following a binge, because it is not a good feeling. It's not eating too much like you do at Christmas. This feels almost compulsive. It feels while you're doing it, you can feel horrible. You know it's horrible, but you feel you can't stop. And it's not just people who are overweight, underweight. Bulimia affects people of all shapes, all ages, all sizes. Now, you're probably thinking, what's the difference between bulimia and binge eating disorder? And the main difference is people with binge eating disorder have frequent binges as described before, but they don't engage in purging behavior. So bulimia has the purging behavior, the overcompensatory behaviors that are trying to get rid of that binge eating or the guilt and shame that people feel. What are the statistics of bulimia nervosa in Australia and the USA? It is estimated in Australia that up to 2% of the population may be affected by bulimia at some point in their life. Now, remember, these statistics are just from people who have reported it, who have been diagnosed. There is a massive amount of people out there who have this, who will never get diagnosed, who will never seek help, because especially in eating disorder world, you are, quote unquote, never sick enough. And I was one of those people. I was almost as though 
I was high functioning. I had a job. I was managing. I was overcompensating. I was doing all of that. So I thought, well, I can't be that bad if I'm managing my life. This eating disorder, just maybe it's a part of it. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me, go get help. Even if you're functioning, even if you just vomit a few times a week, a few times a month, go get help for it. It's not a lifestyle. An eating disorder is not a lifestyle or a weight loss strategy. There, I said it. Now, research also suggests that approximately 30% of people seeking treatment for an eating disorder have bulimia nervosa. So it is one of the most frequently seen eating disorders as well as binge eating disorder. In the USA, very similar statistics, 1% to 2% of women and 0.1% of men will experience bulimia nervosa at some point in their life, but 10% of individuals with bulimia are males. So I don't want to exclude the males who may be listening here or if you know a male that may have this eating disorder. And you see it a lot in industries that are focused on the body, ballet, dancing, fitness, personal trainers, nutrition, those type of industries attract EDs. When I say EDs, I mean eating disorder. You're probably thinking, what's the cause of bulimia? How do people even get into this or learn this? And it's not fully understood and everyone is a unique case. It's believed that there's a combination of genetic, environmental, or psychological factors. They believe people have this when it runs in families, especially if your mother had an eating disorder, you pick up on those behaviors, but they believe there is a genetic predisposition. And I see it a lot. You see eating disorders in daughters, mothers who had high diet culture in their life. You see it run through families. Also just environmental factors, such as seeing your mum diet, watching dieting shows. I have had people who have watched TV shows and the character had an eating disorder or was bulimic or used a type of strategy to lose weight. And people have developed an eating disorder from seeing that on TV. So it can be a double-edged sword. I think while TV shows can bring awareness to eating disorders, people can also learn about it too at a young and vulnerable age. Societal pressure is another environmental factor that can increase the risk of bulimia nervosa, such as wanting to achieve a certain body type. We're fed that beauty ideal. Also traumatic life events. And I will speak about this a little bit more, but I have witnessed a trauma link to particular eating disorders. Bulimia nervosa, yes, in some cases there is trauma, but I do see it a lot in the other eating disorders as well. And also cultural factors that emphasize thinness. It's really interesting because you see a lot more eating disorders in Western society. There's also psychological factors that contribute to developing an eating disorder, such as bulimia nervosa. We think of low self-esteem, perfectionism, difficulty managing emotions, and also how people manage their emotions. For example, people with bulimia may use binge eating and purging to cope with stress or negative emotions. It's really funny because I never used to believe this. I was always of the opinion, no, my eating disorder wasn't wasn't to deal with stress. That's so ridiculous. But what I noticed was it got really bad for me when my life became incredibly busy and stressful. I was running a business. I was studying full-time. I was doing an honors thesis. I was managing another company. It was 
a very busy time and I would be working seven in the morning, teaching dance classes to 10.30 p.m. at night, I would get home and just basically binge eat and binge eat. And that was almost my release. That was my relief. That's what I was doing to switch off from the day. So in hindsight, and when I reflect back now, I can say, yeah, okay, I think I did do with my emotions that way because I was such a positive, happy, bubbly person. I was never upset. I was never down. I wasn't allowed to be. I wouldn't allow myself to have a down day because I was known for being this positive, happy, amazing person. And I think I dealt with my emotions by binge eating and purging rather than actually allowing myself to feel them. So when I look back, I can see it now, but when you're in an eating disorder, it's very hard to see the mechanics of it in the moment. So if you're going through something like this, I encourage you to be very reflective on your behavior, even though you may not want to. Now, look, it's a complex disorder. Not one factor can fully explain its development, but I want to know that I want you to know that you can treat it no matter how long you've had it for. I had it for nine years. It was on and off. I used to call it seasonal eating, disordered eating, because it would come and go depending on factors in my life. But even if you've had it for 20 years, I've had people who have had it for longer than that, and they do learn to overcome it. But it takes time and it takes work. You have to sit with a lot. Before we go into treatment for bulimia nervosa, I want to talk about some myths and misconceptions about it. Myth number one, bulimia only affects young women. Now, the fact is, while it's common in young women, it can affect anyone of any age, shape, size, ethnicity, and gender. up your podcast playlist with limitless motivation and success way of life w-h-e-y is a podcast made for anyone looking to add some positive motivation to their day each week host gus holland covers all that is success inside and outside the gym he brings his background as a certified personal trainer and fitness enthusiast to dive into motivational stories advice as well as in-depth interviews with awesome guests every episode is jam-packed with motivation helping you stay primed and focused to crush your goals new episodes drop every wednesday tune in into Way of Life with host Gus Holland, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Start listening right now. Myth, all individuals with bulimia are underweight. That is, in fact, not true. As I mentioned, they may be underweight, but we actually see more people with bulimia who are average or above average weight. Myth, bulimia nervosa is just a phase that will go away on its own. Fact, it's serious and potentially life-threatening that requires professional treatment. Myth, bulimia nervosa is a choice or a sign of weakness. Fact, it is not a choice and individuals with a disorder are not weak or lacking willpower. I hate when people talk about eating disorders about willpower. It has nothing to do with that. It needs psychological intervention. There's some of the myths and the facts that you may need to know about, but I want to just talk about the consequences of it because I feel not a lot of people go into the consequence of what bulimia nervosa actually does to your body. If you are listening to this, please 
take this on board because it is serious. I've had people who've had to spend $40,000 getting their teeth replaced because when you are constantly purging, the enamel wears off your teeth, okay? And if you're putting your fingers down your throat, people develop scars on their hands. This is also called Russell's sign. And Russell's sign is when you get these scabs on your hand because your teeth are scraping your hands, but then also the acid from your vomit is burning that scar tissue essentially, and you get these scars. Other physical consequences is something called chipmunk cheeks, which is inflamed or chubby cheeks, which can further perpetuate the dissatisfaction people have with their image and their body because your salivary glands actually get swollen and your cheeks can look bigger. Rupture of the esophagus, stomach pain, consistent bloating. It's a catch-22. People force themselves to purge or take laxatives because of bloating, but you're bloated because you're purging and because you're taking laxatives. It's not normal for food to constantly be coming back up, coming back up. Your intestines get disrupted. Your stomach gets disrupted. The only way to really end the bloating is to stop the purging. So if you are in a moment and you're really considering purging, remind yourself, this is not a weight loss strategy. This purging is actually making me bloated. This is what's actually leading to my dissatisfaction with my body and myself. Apart from that, you can get ulcers in your stomach. I have people who have severe reflux, severe gastrointestinal pain, There are so many physical consequences of this condition, not to mention physiological extreme fatigue. People are so tired because they're not eating. They're not getting enough nutrients. You risk purging medication up as well. If you're on the pill, you risk purging that up and then your contraception may not work. So there's so many risks there, not to mention the emotional risks, low mood, anxiety around eating, constantly thinking about food constantly worrying about your body weight, shape, and size. Because bulimia nervosa, it is an eating disorder characterized by the preoccupation of your weight, shape, and size. People want to lose weight, but it's more the fear of gaining weight. And this is why people are engaging in this behavior because they're so scared of gaining weight. But inadvertently, bulimia actually can cause you to gain weight. So if you're someone listening to this, just remember This can actually have the opposite goal that you are trying to achieve. And sometimes you need to say this to yourself to snap out of those urges to splurge because what people don't realize is calories are actually absorbed by chewing. So when you actually get to the point of purging the food, most people are purging empty calories that have already been absorbed in the system. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm telling you this because you need to know it's not an effective weight loss strategy. It's not an effective weight management strategy, and it just causes hell. I know I've been there. Not to mention other issues such as social issues, eating out in public, not being fully present, financial issues. I've had people spending hundreds of dollars a week just on their binges the guilt of wasting food, the shame of wasting food, and the secrecy. Bulimia nervosa is an extremely secretive disorder. People may hide bags of vomit in their closets. They may hide bags of food that become moldy, bags of flour, bags of sugar. It gets 
really bad and really isolating. So if you know someone going through this disorder, please try not to judge them. Because when you're in this eating disorder, it's almost like you are not functioning. You are not thinking. When I went through it, I just leave wrappers everywhere. I just would not give a crap because I was constantly in my anxiety, fight or flight state where my logical brain was switched off and you just don't care. You don't, you almost become this addict. You just want your next fix of binge eating. You just want to purge in peace and you don't care about anything. You don't care about people in those moments. And I go into depth about this in my book and the stress that sort of caused my family. But if you know someone going through this, please try not to judge. I know it can look like a very disgusting type of disorder or you can feel very disgusting with it, but it's not your choice. Okay. But I know you want to get out of it and that's why I'm here to help. Let's talk about treatment for bulimia nervosa. One of the most effective treatments is something called CBTE, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Enhanced. I'm a trained CBTE clinician, so I've done the training and I am aware of it. I first learned about this training when I did the World Congress of Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies, and I went and did a workshop with Christopher Fairburn, who developed CBTE, and it was absolutely amazing. It's a specialized CBT type of therapy. So CBT essentially focuses on your cognitions, which are your beliefs. And the theory is changing your beliefs changes your emotions, which changes your behavior. And this type of CBTE is really about targeting the thoughts that maintain the eating disorder. It involves four stages of treatment. And what I love about it is it's very structured. So it includes a detailed assessment. And the first stage is we restore your regular eating patterns because a lot of people are essentially bulimic or struggle with bulimia because they don't eat regularly. What they do is they try to starve themselves all day. They get so hungry, then they eat something, they break what's called a dietary rule. So maybe they had some chocolate and in their mind, the rule is I shouldn't be eating chocolate. I should be eating clean. And when they break the dietary rule, they go into what I call flat tire syndrome, which is, oh, I've stuffed up. I've eaten chocolate. I might as well just binge and eat everything. And they eat everything and they think, you know what? I'll start fresh tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. And you're probably thinking, that's me, but I don't purge. And yes, this cycle of binge eating restriction is so common and it happens along a spectrum. And you may be stuck in this cycle, but not have the purging behavior. So know that you can change this cycle. So the first part of CBTE is getting the person to log their food. And we notice the patterns in their eating. And what I see a lot of is sporadic eating. When I'm looking at the logs of someone with bulimia nervosa, it's sporadic eating. They may be eating regularly on some days and then they have a massive binge and then they try to fast or they try to restrict for a period of time. So the first stage is addressing regular eating patterns because you'll be surprised how much binge eating decreases when you give people regular patterns of eating. We don't try to change what they're eating. We don't try to change how much they're eating. We just want to establish a regular pattern. And the most important thing that this addresses is the restriction because what people don't realize is restriction leads to binge. Not in every eating disorder, but in this particular one. So I'm trying to stay within the parameters of bulimia nervosa. They restrict, they restrict, they restrict, but it's the restriction that leads to binging. And it's interesting because they come to therapy, they want help with the binging, 
but it's really the restriction that we need to target. Once we then have a regular eating pattern, then we want to address the psychological factors that tend to keep the eating disorder going. Now, it's typically delivered over 20 sessions, CBTE. Sometimes it's more than that for people with severe anorexia or severe eating disorder-like presentations. And it's usually weekly, sometimes twice a week, uh, four stages. So stage one we just spoke about, which is the eating regularly. The second stage focuses on reducing the binge eating and purging behaviors. So we look at the thoughts and the feelings. So as well as logging their food and what they eat, people log their emotions around that, any triggers, what they noticed. And the third stage addresses the psychological factors that maintain the eating disorder, such as negative self-image, clinical perfectionism, low self-esteem. We aim to use cognitive techniques to challenge thoughts, change thoughts, bring that compassionate part of yourself in to be kind. Even if you do binge, we do what's called a binge analysis. We try to work out what happened. We're not here to punish you because you binged. We're here to learn from it. So know that a binge is not the end of the world, that you can actually learn from it if you're open to it. And the final stage of CBTE is relapse prevention. So we work together to develop a plan for maintaining progress and CBTE has up to 50 to 60% of individuals achieving a full remission for their eating disorder. Now, what's super important in any type of treatment is finding a therapist who you vibe with, someone who has experience in this area that you feel connected to because the relationship with your therapist is the most important thing. So I want to end this episode by saying, bulimia nervosa is common, but it is very secretive. If you're going through it or you know someone going through it, Don't be ashamed and try not to judge. Encourage that person to seek help. Two, even though you're living a relatively quote-unquote functional life and you have occasional binges and occasional purges, that's no reason to not seek treatment. You don't have to live this way and ongoing purging, ongoing binging, it will affect you in many ways and it becomes your life. But what therapy can help you do is develop a life outside the eating disorder. And I'm here to tell you that your life is not going to always be about eating. And I saw this yesterday. I went to the footy and I never visualized myself doing something like that and being fully present. Because even if I would quote unquote, go to the things and do the tasks, I would be thinking about food 24 seven. And yesterday I was just thinking, it's so nice to be here and be here and not think about food or not think, oh my gosh, I should binge because there's four and 20 pies or whatever. So I want to let you know that I've overcome it and so can you. And the final thing I would encourage you to do is get self-help books. There's a great book, Overcoming Binge Eating by Christopher Fairburn. There's an excellent book, my book, Food Gel, Breaking the Bars of Binge Eating. Another fantastic resource is Brain Over Binge. People really love that book, but it takes time and it takes work. You have to sit through urges to purge. You have to sit through the belief that your weight may change throughout this process, although many people don't gain weight through CBTE or through therapy. So if you've got a big fear that you're going to gain weight through therapy, know that that's not the case, but you need to ask yourself, am I willing to potentially gain weight to heal this disorder with food or am I prepared to struggle with my weight my whole life and struggle with an eating disorder my life 
without really having any real solution. So you got to weigh up. Yes, it's hard confronting this and dealing with it, but it's hard living with it. So you got to choose your hard. If you have questions on this, please let me know on Instagram. I love your questions. If you have a podcast request, let me know. I always will do the episodes that you want to hear about the most, but a massive thank you for being here today. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. Remember to look after yourselves and each other and don't forget to self-care. If you haven't, please like the podcast, share the podcast, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. I'll reshare it. And if you're not following on TikTok, it's Mind Food Steph. Massive thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye. 